Hi, this is Steve Erspringer. You're listening to Worshiping God, God's Way. In this podcast, we're talking about Acts 17 and 18. Paul uses the word devotion. In Acts 17, 16, it starts with Paul and he's waiting for Timothy and Barnabas. And as he's watching the city, his spirit is stirred up within him and he's seeing the city full of idols. Now, it takes sometimes a stirring up in our spirit before we grasp the impact of misplaced worship. You can't see it at first, but when it happens, it changes the way you think about the world and why worship is so important. As a boy in Tarsus, young Paul saw idol worship every day. People were bowing on street corners. Now, as he's older, he sees it again in Athens. He sees Jews and Gentiles alike bowing down before ancient deities. In Acts 17, verse 17, it says that Paul reasoned, came to the synagogues, and he spoke with the Jewish people and the worshipers. Some of the translations of, in the New Testament use the word worshipers, but that's not really the best choice because the word worshiper is sobimia. It means to be devout, to be, have a devotion, to be devoted to and adore something. So he was speaking to people who were adoring and showing devotion to God. Now, also it says that Paul was talking to the Epicureans. There was a group of people, the philosophy that they had was based on Epicurus. He was an ancient philosopher. There were also the Stoic philosophers there. That's four major schools of thought wrapped up into one. And it came out of the Hellenistic period. Those two types of groups were mixed in with the Jewish community and God-fearers who were also there together. And they were all conversing or talking with Paul. And some were saying things like, why does this babbler want to say all this? Why is he saying this to us? Others said he seems to be a person proclaiming strange gods for he was announcing the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Well, the word for strange gods is a word that relates to a demoniac being. It's an extension, a sense of an extension of a devil god. You know, these people were accustomed to strange gods. Their whole history is built on strange gods. But Jesus, they had never heard of. Paul went around and he observed the city, and he comes to a place of objects of worship. And he says this, I went around and I observed your objects of worship. That word for worship in this translation is azebio. Azebio means to be pious. It means to show a piety towards something. It's a place where they're thinking and they're being pious and they're just trying to figure it out and show respect. He came to the one little object that had a plaque beneath it. It said, to an unknown God. So what you're worshiping, you don't know, he says. But the word for worship is not bowing. The word for worship is showing respect. You're being pious to something that you don't even know exists. That idea comes from the Ugritic Canaanite practice. 
They worried that they might miss a God and have some type of bad thing happen to them. Something unknown would take place. That's why they called it to the unknown God. A false God that would bring fear. That's a Ugritic concept that had found its place in Athens within that Greek society. So Paul, when he's standing in the midst of all of this city and all these things that are taking place, he goes to a place where there's a prominent rock outcropping. It's located northeast of the Acropolis in Athens, and it's called the Hill of Ares. It's the Acropagus. And he stands there, and he speaks to the men of Athens. And he says, I perceive that in every way you are very devout. Now, this is the first time that in this chapter of 17 that that word is correctly translated. Devotion is often mistranslated as worship. But in this case, this word is the correct word. And the word actually means more religious than any other to the point of being superstitious. Paul's saying to the men in Athens, he's saying, you are more religious than any other, and you're so religious, you borderline superstition. What religions do you know, Christian or non-Christian in nature, that substantiate their memberships based on superstitions or being more religious than any other group? using the supernatural as a point of contact. In Acts 4, as Paul reasoned in the synagogue, he did it every Sabbath, and he tried to persuade the Jews and the Greeks to think differently, to have a different philosophy about it. And when he left there, he went to the house of a person named Titius Justus, and in this translation, again, it uses the term worshiper. But the real, more accurate, probably the best word would have been sobomia, which means the devout, religious, adoring type, a person who reverently is devoted to God. And this guy's house was actually next door to the synagogue that Paul had been preaching at. A man by the name of Crispus, the ruler of that synagogue, the leader of that synagogue, he believed in the Lord. And together with his entire family and many other Corinthians who came to hear it, they all believed and they were all baptized. So Paul finds himself in a really good spot. So he stays there for a year and six months teaching them the word of God, talking to them about being devoted to God. Now, of course, that synagogue is right next to the house where they're having church. So the Jewish community, they get really upset about that. And there's a good reason. Paul is going to that small church next door, and it's soon to be known as the Church of Corinthians. He'll later on write two letters, and there'll be lots of drama, lots of power, lots of conflict in those letters. He'll introduce a new commandment, which I would call the 11th commandment. It's the gifts of God's spirit working in action in within that group of people. And of course, the Jewish community gets very upset. So they go to Galileo. He was the pro-council of that city, that state. And the Jewish people rose up 
all together against Paul, and they brought him to a group, a tribunal, a group of people that they were going to complain to. Now, what they say is, this man is persuading men to worship God in a way that's contrary to the law. The word worship, again, is sobomia. So what they're saying is not that they're worshiping, that he's persuading them to be devout, to show more adoration, and to be more religious to God than what their Torah teaches. But when Paul is about to open his mouth in his own defense, Galileo said to the Jews, if this were a matter of wrongdoing or a serious crime, you know, I would jump right in and fix this problem. You know, it'd be reasonable if I, if I just took care of this. But that's not the question here. He says, he notes this, and he says it in a really cool way. He says, this is about words. It's about names of people. And it's about your books. He says, see to this yourself. I don't want to have any part of this. Number one, he wasn't Jewish. He was Roman. He didn't understand the individual words that were found in that book. He didn't know the names other than probably Moses and Abraham. And he certainly had not read the Torah. So he doesn't have any idea how to deal with this. It's important to note this because Paul knew the individual words and their meanings. He is a word study master. He knows Hebrew and he knows Greek. The names of all the people found in that book, he knows all of those names and the foundations that they brought to faith. And he knows all of the books inside and out that are found in the Torah. Paul uses the word devotion because he's choosing to use that word. He's not using the word worship as in the sense of bowing down like Jesus says in John 4. But if he wanted to say that word, he would have used it. It would have been very easy for him to write in there prosukaneo instead of sibomia. So here's the words in these two chapters, 17 and 18, that you have to understand a little bit about. You have to know that they're there, or else you could read the wrong translation, get the wrong idea, and they're pretty simple. There are three different words. Two of them just mean devotion or being pious, and the other one was daisidahimoisterios, kind of a long Greek word. It's the word that means more religious than others almost to the point of being superstitious. You're so religious, you've become superstitious about the words and the scriptures you know. Azebio is just to be pious and to show it to people. You see, but in John 4, since we're talking about worship in this podcast, John 4 does not use those words to describe the worship style that his father is looking for. So here we have devotion, we have adoration, respect, piety, even superstition. We have religion, and we also have reverence. Where I live, you don't find a society that gathers around worship. I know, that sounds kind of strange. And honestly, though, the people, the believers and non-believers, 
around here in this area. They know very little about it, nor do they think about it. They're not Stoic philosophers or Epicureans. We don't go around discussing worship to get to the heart, the truth of it. You know, it's just not on our radar. But today, devotion, adoration, and reverence is the formula for modern worship, just as is singing and speaking and lifting the hands towards heaven or shouting God's name in some cases. That's the formula that we have in our society, and it's noted to be worship. That's what we call it. If a person has adoration, if a person has adoration to them, that is worship. If devoting our life is our theme, we call that worship. Fearful superstitions, strongholds, having pushed people into a place that replaces free, shameless worship, now that doesn't fit into what God has planned for anybody. If anything is superstitious and it's a stronghold that forces people, backs them into a corner, that is not God's plan for you. So you need to step away from that. But in today's vocabulary, these words that have replaced the word worship are really attributes. They're good attributes. They're expressions that lead to the act, the actual occurrence, as Jesus says in John 4. These words can be nouns or adjectives or even verbs um, that surround the word worship, but they are not worship in themselves. If I love God, does that mean I am worshiping him? Or does it just mean I am a worshiper who loves God? What does a person do to transition from being a worshiper to a person who worships? That's what Paul was getting at when he was talking to them regarding their devotion. He was trying to lead them to a place where they saw Jesus and where they bowed and they worshiped him. The simple answer, bow down and worship him, that's how you get to it, you do it. Jesus calls it an actual occurrence. It's the act of worshiping. The act of worshiping is worship, bowing down before him. If I were to be a painter, I would have to paint something. To be a singer, I need to sing something. To be a God worshiper, I bow down and I worship him. The words, the names, and the books that Paul understood, they tell the story of worship. We need to have good English to be educated, but more importantly, we need God English to be educated spiritually. The goal is to worship God God's way. Worship.